is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here. That's what you've earned here tonight. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms. And remember what got you here. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that itch. We claw with our fingernails for that itch because we know when we add up all those inches, that, that, that's going to make the f***ing difference between winning and losing. It's down to the wire with, with, with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. Oh, on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Down to the Wire. We are live every single Monday and Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time. 631-965-4990 is the number to call the show if you want to argue your points with us when it comes to sports and whatever else you want to talk to Speedy about. But I don't know if you want to talk to me about anything except sports. As you guys know, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com and download our app, ladies and gentlemen. If you haven't downloaded it yet, you go to iOS, which is Apple, and you go to WWSRN, or you go to Droid, and you put in, in the Play Store, Worldwide Sports Radio Network, and you can follow our shows, you can listen to our shows, you can watch the clips of our shows, you can listen to the replays of our shows, all on the app. It is so fan-friendly. I made it easy for all the fans to stay in touch with us on all the different things we're going to do moving forward. So very happy for the app, very excited about the app. Speedy, what's going on, man? We had a great show this weekend with the Weekend Crunch with Eric Coleman. Mm-hmm. So if you guys didn't hear it on 103.9 on FM Dial here in Long Island, you can check it out on our podcast page on our app. So I'm still trying to pitch our app. So check it out if you haven't heard the show live on the FM Dial. But Speedy, how was your weekend with your family? It was, How's your mom doing? It was awesome. Is I was, she good? It was great to see she all She missed me? She doesn't miss you. No, she misses me. No, she doesn't miss she you. Does. No. She no, does. She does. She misses me. It was definitely awesome to see all of them again, though. We had a lot of fun. My cousin, It was at my cousin's house. Social it whole, distancing? It was a whole party. Yeah, to an extent. Six yeah. feet? <laughs> to an extent, yeah. Masks? Everyone, everyone had their mask, yeah. Everyone had their mask. So you wore a mask around your mom. Did you kiss your mom on the cheek? No. So you didn't kiss your mom? No. I did not kiss her. I kissed her. No, you didn't. I was there. I kissed you her. You did not kiss her, and you I were not there. I kissed your mom. She was, you were not there. She invited me. I was right behind the shed. If you were right behind the shed, that means... I, there's not a lot of, actually, there's not a lot of room behind their shed at their house, so well, good luck trying to fit in there. Well... <laughs> It's literally right at the edge of their fence, so good well, luck with I that. was invited. Your mom invited me, and I was very uh, happy no, to didn't. be there. <laughs> Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, we had a great show this weekend with the Weekend Crunch, and uh, I will tell you, though, there was a lot of breaking news during the show, and after the show with the New York Knicks and the New York Jets, and we will get into that in just one second, uh, I had a great weekend. I was out in the sun, got a little bit of a tan. I got some color, right, Speedy? What do you yes, think? Yes, you do. I got some nice color, yes, man. Do. I look pretty, mm-hmm. you know, and your mom really liked it, too. No, she didn't. I told you she invited me. You were out in the sun somewhere else, not with my family. Well, again, I was happily over there at the Kloiber's house, 
And uh, they were, she. They were not at my ha- house. They were at my cousin's house. Oh, whatever. Anyways, we have a great show lined up for you guys. We will be talking to Oregon tight end recruit Terrence Ferguson at 6.30. Shout out to the wise guys, the sports hit list, Off the Mat, The Weekend Crunch, and Weapons Hot. And we have some new shows, the BS Sports Show joining us next week. So we got a lot of new shows joining us. I am very excited about our network moving forward. Oh, wow. Well, guys, I, I will get into this. I, I wanted to give myself a breath because I am just so flabbergasted what happened over the weekend for New York sports. Uh, I will get into baseball a little bit later, but I do want to get into the New York Jets. And, and shout out to Joe Beningo and Evan Roberts for giving us complete, utter ridiculousness uh, on their thoughts on the trade with Jamal Adams. Uh, the fact that they didn't like the trade, they're completely out of their minds. Um, and I, again... You have your own opinions, and everybody else has their opinions. And my opinion to this story, when I heard it, when it broke on Saturday at about 2 o'clock in the mm-hmm. afternoon, I was absolutely excited when I heard this story. And I, me and Eric argued the points throughout the show on why I thought Jamal Adams should be out and the Jets should trade him and bring in some quality draft picks. And... I argued with Mikey C over the last couple of weeks and to a lot of people on radio, different radio shows that I have joined throughout the radio networks around the country, that I think Jamal Adams, the only way the Jets would trade Jamal Adams for for two first-round draft picks, a third or a fourth, and a player to be named. And what happened on Saturday? That's exactly what the Jets got for Jamal Adams and a fourth-round 2022 draft pick. What was crazy about the trade and the arguments to the trade isn't the fact that Jamal Adams isn't a great player. We all know what Jamal Adams is. He's one of the best safeties in football. You can, you can put him at the strong safety position. You can put him at the free safety position. You can put him at the corner position. He can play multiple positions. You can even put him at the linebacker position. We've seen him play multiple times with Williams last year. But the guy had a mouth on him. He's argued some points of the New York Jets and where the organization was going. And he really didn't make himself look good when he gave Joe Douglas seven or eight teams that he'd be interested to be trading to. That already limits his value because, one, the team has to want to trade for you. And, two, again, they're going to be stingy about what they trade back. But clearly the Seahawks were not one of those teams. They were going all in. And Josh is saying the third-round pick. I did say a third-round pick. The Jets got a third-round pick. Mm -hmm. They gave a fourth-round pick in 2022 and Jamal Adams. And they got a third from the Seahawks and two first-round draft picks. But I said either a third or a fourth pick. That's what I'm saying, Josh. But... What Jamal Adams was doing the last couple of weeks, really the last couple of months, really didn't help him get the contract that he really wanted from the New York Jets. The fact that he took shots at Joe Douglas, that Joe Douglas promised him a contract, Joe Douglas never promised him a contract. He can't, now that he's in Seattle, he also cannot expect the same thing out of their GM, John Schneider, who's notoriously stingy as well with his players. He didn't pay Richard Sherman. He didn't pay Cam Chancellor. Obviously, he retired. Uh, he paid Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson, so he definitely has done some, but it's not, it's not going to be a guarantee that he's going to get what he wants right away either there because of what, the way the Seahawks always are. I am not a huge fan of Adam Gase. Nobody is a huge fan of Adam Gase, but taking shots at your coach on social media, and I don't care what guys like Joe Beningo and Evan Robert said 
oh, well, we all think that way, so he has every right to say that. No, you. if you want a contract from that organization, you sometimes have to take a step back and understand that that organization is listening to every single thing that you do, not only on social media, but who you're talking to out in the public. Right, and and again, we see a lot of these players do this now, and if you're an organization, you can't just tend to the players to whatever the hell they want all the time because, again, like – like you saw with the Lions, they got nothing back for Darius Slay when they traded him. Just they, You can't just trade him just to trade him. You have to find the good offers, and the Jets were very patient with it. I, I didn't expect it to be this quick uh, in terms of when he got traded. He was traded on Saturday, like you were saying, right after we pre-recorded with Eric. But they got the right offer. They got a, a very fair offer, and they got even more. Very than fair even, offer, and they, they robbed him. Right, they fleeced I was about to say that. They got even more than I expected, and then some. So you're looking at a case where they did the right thing and all that, and you saw the Ram- uh, the Jaguars do the same thing with Jalen Ramsey. They waited it out, and they got two first-round picks for him, too. But again, we've also seen some bad cases of it, too, where they didn't get as much as they should either. I, I think the Jets absolutely fleeced the Seattle Seahawks. They really did. Absolutely. And and you look at the big picture of where the Jets are, and Le'Veon Bell spoke about that on social media. Not only taking shots at Jamal Adams, pretty much telling everybody in, in the world that Jamal Adams told Le'Veon Bell last year that this is the team that he wants to be with for the next three or four years for the rest of his career and help him bring a a championship home to the New York Jet fans. And then all of a sudden, in the last couple of months, really taking a shot at the organization, then taking a shot at Woody Johnson when there is stories coming out. We don't know if they're true or factual about racist remarks that Woody Johnson really landed or said what he said to the English um, press or... Even racist things and and uh, sexual things or sex sexist, sexist things yeah. uh, that he said to the English press. But what I look at Jamal Adams, it's it's not that I don't feel that he has every right to speak what he feels, and everybody has the right of speech, freedom of speech. We live in America, uh, as you see with some of the players kneeling to the national anthem, even though that's not why they're kneeling. I everybody has a right to do whatever they want. But the problem is when you take shots at the organization that's going to pay you and then take shots at the coaching, the executives, the GM, and everything that's going on with this organization as a whole, when you have only been in the league for three years, you have been to two pro balls, and you've been one year of an all-pro player, and you really are not C.J. Mosley. I'm sorry, you're not C.J. Mosley. You're not any of the, like, uh, you're not... Some of these top guys like Darnold or, or – I'm not talking about Sam Darnold. Darnold from uh, the L.A. Rams. You're not one of those defensive players where you can come out and say the things that you say and expect people to say, well, this guy's a three-, four-time all-pro player and a four-time, five-time um, pro Bowl player. He's not one of those guys. He's been in the league for three years. And the fact that he has taken shots at the organization when the organization took a chance with him as a sixth pick in the first round when six teams passed up on him. Six teams. And one of those teams are the team that he wanted to be traded to, the Dallas Cowboys, where they trade, they drafted Ezekiel Elliott. No, it was a draft after. Well, no, it was Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel was- Elliott was 2016. Adams was 17. So where who was drafted? Who was drafted was, in front of him? It was the Miles Garrett, Mitch Trubisky, Solomon Thomas, Leonard Fournette, and Corey Davis. <laughs> okay, so I, I'm, I mis misjudged the draft, <laughs> which is still pretty sad. <laughs> Again, you look at the big picture right now with the New York Jets and where the New York Jets are heading. They're rebuilding. Are they going to be a Super Bowl contender this year? They're not. Are they going to be a borderline playoff team? Possibly. 
We don't know where this offensive line is going to be. They added Makai Beckham. Uh, he's, he's a good player. He's a talented player. We're going to put somebody on in just one second. We, we understand the talent that they added to their offensive line. We understand that they added guys like George Fon, who came from the Seattle Seahawks. And the Jets seem to like to make moves with the Seattle Seahawks. You've seen what they've done. They made a trade in the third round with the Seattle Seahawks, where it gave them the opportunity to trade that pick with the um, New England Patriots. And uh, is that a call? We'll put them through. We'll put them through. Uh, they made the they made the choice to make the trade with the uh, New England Patriots to, and then get Denzel Mims uh, later in the second round. My argument here with the New York Jets isn't that Jamal Adams wasn't uh, a good player for the Jets. It's just like the outlandish things that he has said over the last couple of years. The players that we've brought in, guys like Geno Smith, who is a quarterback that opened his mouth and got his his jaw knocked out uh, in the locker room by one of his linebackers. This has been the problem with the New York Jets. They brought in Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall was a good player for one year. And then all of a sudden, after that, he opened his mouth and it caused trouble in the locker room and it caused havoc with the New York Jets and eventually got certain executives and, uh, and coaches fired. This has been a problem for the New York Jets organization year in and year out. Right. A lot of those times, these guys are very phasey, too, with the way the Jets have brought in offensive players, especially uh, from free agency, too. You mentioned Brandon Marshall. Eric Decker had that one great year, I think the same year or two. They, they, they've had that problem for a while. So now the, the, the key for them is going to be they're going to have to home grow a lot of these players. They've done it enough where they've had some good ones. But again, they, if, if you don't keep the team growing, you're, your players are going to get unhappy. <laughs> All right, who do we have on the phone? Uh, no, no, it wasn't uh, Oh, there was nobody? It was an automated uh, thing. Speedy, you're really starting to annoy me, Mr. Producer over here. But I, I, look at the, I look at where the Jets are right now. They're in good shape. They get next year in 2021, they're going to have two first-round draft picks. It doesn't matter where Seattle is drafting because you're going to get a quality player in the first round as well as you can get right. in the second, third, and fourth round. And sometimes you can find quality in the sixth and seventh round. Right, and like I mentioned to you off-air too, let's say the Jets are picking maybe at – 12 or something like that, 13, and the Seahawks are picking it in somewhere in the teens or in the 20s. They could also use that pick to trade up if they want to get a star player or a star receiver. Maybe they trade up for somebody like Jamar Chase, who could be that big name, number one top talent out of LSU. They might, th- th- that first round pick or even the future first round pick will allow them to do that kind of thing too if they want a particular type of player. You mentioned it to me a lot off air and, and on air. They need receiver and a pass rusher, which are two premium positions, especially now in college football. So, and just in drafts in general. So they might have to do trade up in order to get them. They didn't get a crappy player in Bradley McDougal either. This is a guy that's been a starter in the league for, for the last few years. He's been a quality player. Last year he had two interceptions with the uh, Seattle Seahawks. This is a quality player. His career he has ten interceptions. I, I look at Bradley McDougal. He's a guy that you're going to fill in in multiple positions, including the safety position. Maybe stick him at the corner position. And you still have guys like Ashton Davis, who you drafted in the third round, where a lot of people believe could be a ball hawk, could be the future of the New York Jets moving forward at the safety position. You still have Marcus May. Marcus May is a free agent after this year. You're going to have to pay him. you got other players you're going to have to pay in the future. So And, and, and eventually, in the next two or three years, you're going to have to pay Sam Darnold. So giving somebody like Jamal Adams a 90 to $100 million contract didn't make sense for guys like Joe Douglas or even the, the Johnson family. Now, when you look at the big picture now, there are guys like Jadavian Clowney right now available. He is friends with McDougal. McDougal posted something. Go get him. Go get him. 
I don't want Jadavian Clowney unless Jadavian Clowney is coming on the cheap with incentives. If you get Jadavian Clowney for $9 million, $10 million with incentives to make $15 million, then I would make the move for Jadavian Clowney. I would not sign him for more than a year contract. You have to see what's going to be available in the offseason next year. You have two first-round draft picks next year. You have two first-round draft picks the year after. You can start building your defensive line. You've, you've rebuilt your, your offensive line, and they're fact, factually, they're a very young offensive line now. George Fon is about 28 years old. Yeah, Mekhi Becker. Beckham, who is probably, I think, 21, 20, 20 years old. You have guys like um, uh, uh, McGovern. McGovern's about 27, 28. You have a young offensive line now. Now you can reconstruct the defensive side of the ball. You have Quincy, uh, Quentin Williams. You have players, C.J. Mosley, who's still very young. Avery Williamson, who's still very young. You added some offensive, I mean, d- uh, defensive corners in this year's o- offseason as well. They needed to reconstruct their offensive line as well as their cornerback position. They did that. They have tremendous amount of depth now. So, again, when you look at the New York Jets and everybody's taking shots at the Jets, why did they trade their star, their all pro uh, safety safety is not the position that you pay when it comes to important positions that you need to build your team around it's the offensive line the offensive tackle uh, the left tackle you need to pay the corner and you need to pay the quarterback right the the running back position you really don't pay you you find running backs in the fourth fifth sixth round sometimes you find a gem in the in, you know undrafted you don't need to go after superstar players, you know, in free agency. And a lot of times now you see running back platoons, too, if you have the coaching staff or the creative coach to really do that. So, And you're right, it's the easiest position to find in college football. And also, again, like you were saying, safety is not really a position that is oftentimes drafted early. Jamal Adams, we he was drafted early. That's a, that's a rare thing for a safety. What other safeties have lately been drafted that early? A lot of them aren't even drafted in the first round. I don't think there was any safeties drafted in the first round this year. No. Nope. Uh, the first, first one, one was for, the Giants. Yep, the first one was the Giants with Xavier McKinney. Mm-hmm. I think the year before, even, there wasn't one until later in the first round, I think, with the Rams. And it's not a position that's as prioritized unless you have that kind of thing like Jamal Adams. Even someone like Derwin James, who I thought was a top three prospect he was. in that draft, he fell to 17. So it's showing that they're really not as much big of a priority in comparison, like you were saying, the D-line and the corner, especially on defense. And Jamal Adams is a superstar player. Nobody's taking that away from him. He's one of the best safeties in the league. But the safety position is not a position where you go out there and give guys like Landon Collins $85 million. All right? You just don't do that. Jamal Adams is a guy, does he deserve $85 million like Landon Collins? Yes, he's a better player than Landon right. Collins. But as a GM of an organization that's trying to rebuild this team and give this team depth and this team an opportunity to be good for the next, I don't know, seven to five years where the Jets haven't been in the playoffs in 10 years, right. you have to look at the big picture. Joe Douglas is trying to reconstruct this team the way he thinks this team is going to succeed in the future. So building around Sam Donald is a must. Jamal Adams, as good as he is, he's not the player they wanted to build their team around. It's the quarterback. We've seen this over and over again. Russell Wilson, say whatever you want. You bring in Jamal Adams. Is Jamal Adams a superstar player on that team? He's not. Russell Wilson is the superstar player of that team. So you have to look at the big picture here. And the Jets just didn't want to pay him. Now, Joe Douglas, was he wrong about it? Well, some people would say that he was. And some people say that he wasn't. Should he have he made him? Should he have he made him an offer? 
Yeah, he should have made him an offer. That doesn't mean making him an offer is going to be the offer that he was going to accept. Jamal Adams never wanted to be here with the Jets. In the last two years, he's been arguing his points that he doesn't want to be here with the New York Jets. And again, I think you're looking at a case, too, where you want to get paid in a, a high priority position like a safety, but it's not as much of a higher priority position, too. So he has to know that as well. The Seahawks definitely know that, even though they prioritized um, they prioritized the safety position a lot throughout their history. But in terms of the position as a whole, it's, it's corner, it's receiver, it's quarterback that are getting all the big bucks now and, and pass rusher. Again, a lot of Jet fans are – some of Jet fans are upset about this, Jamal Adams. I think Jet fans should be – right now, as a Jet fan, because I am a Jet fan, I'm going to sit back and relax and see what Joe Douglas does with those picks. When we see what he does with those picks, then we can make the judgment on understanding why Joe Douglas did this. These picks can reconstruct the Jets for the future for the next 10 years. You guys, if nobody knows how important the NFL draft is, drafting players and controlling players for five years is so important to building a championship competitive team. Joe Douglas learned that with the Baltimore Ravens. He won two Super Bowls being a part of that organization. He also won one as the VP, Vice President GM over there in Philadelphia. So, again... Joe Douglas understands what he's doing. He understands he's been in the game. He's, he was an offensive, he was an offensive player. He was an offensive uh, tackle growing, growing into college football. He learned the game really through the construction of the Baltimore Ravens and the Philadelphia Eagles and the Chicago Bears. This is a, this is a student of the game. So all the arguments to say that he was out of his mind trading away a pro ball player and they, they got a lot back for him. They got a tremendous amount back for him for a guy that a lot of people thought they weren't going to get two first-round draft picks. Mike yeah. Francesa said he wasn't going to get two first-round. Joe Beningo said he wasn't going to get two first. Um, Stephen A. Smith said there's no way he was going to get two first-round draft picks with all the things that Jamal Adams is saying about the organization. Jamal Adams wanted out of the organization, and he got his wish. He just didn't get his wish where he wanted to go, and he really wanted to go to uh, Dallas. And we'll see what Seattle is going to do with him because there quite possibly could be a problem with the Seattle Seahawks moving forward because if they don't extend the contract after this year, Jamal Adams could wait until free agency the year after. They could keep franchising, and eventually he'll be a Cowboy, and they gave up two first-round draft picks, a third, and McDougal for practically nothing. So these are things that you have to look at the big picture, and again— it, you have to be smiling for the New York Jets because the Jets have been looking for a GM that actually knows what he's doing. And I think he's figured out, I think we figured out that Joe Douglas knows exactly what he is doing. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will be talking to Oregon tight end recruit Terrence Ferguson here on Down to the Wire. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Oh, man. As you guys know, this is Down to the Wire. We are live every single Monday and Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Remember, you can call us at 631-965-4990. We have a very special guest on the line right now. We are now talking to Oregon tight end recruit Terrence Ferguson. What's going on, Terrence? I'm good. How are you? We are good, my friend. How are you and your family doing with this pandemic? Uh, we're doing great. It's healthy. Um, no problems over here, so we're, we're blessed right now. 
So, Terrence, tell me a little bit about your recruitment with Oregon. What made you decide to go to Oregon out of all the different schools that have reached out to you and tried to recruit you? Um, I'd say the biggest thing with Oregon was the coaching staff. Uh, Coach Cristobal and me built probably the best relationship in, out of all the coaches that I like talked to. And um, he was really family-orientated. He would talk to me more than just football. He talked to me about my family. Uh, problems that were going on and about how his family was doing. So I feel like we built a relationship beyond football, and I think I did that with most of the coaches there, including, uh, including Coach Bobby Williams, their tight ends coach. So I think the biggest, it was the biggest comfort for me. So I said that was probably the biggest thing. Yeah, Coach Tristable is very interesting because, again, the offense is very different than what we've seen Oregon do in the past with a lot of the running quarterbacks, a lot of the coaches they had, including Chip Kelly. What what about that offense really got you involved in terms of going to Oregon? Um, I'd say a big thing with that is I feel like it's more of a pro style offense now where they utilize the tight end. They'll uh, they'll pound the ball and then they'll hit some play action on you and they kind of use the tight end. I see a lot of NFL teams using them now where they spread them out, out wide sometimes in the slot and then also in line blocking. So I think that was a big interest to me being able to build my game with so much versatility that they use the tight end. We are talking to Oregon tight end recruit Terrence Ferguson. Now, Terrence, when you look at the big picture and you look at college football to high school football, it's completely different. The speed of the game, the transition of uh, spread offense. We've seen spread offense. We've seen NFL style of offense. What, when you look at Oregon, and Oregon's known for their offensive linemen and, and really their spread out offense and the way they use their, their tight ends to their wide receivers and their, their running backs to, to, as wide receivers, when you look at the growth of the game and the transition of the game, of the college game, where do you fit in with Oregon? Um, I, feel, I feel like I fit in very well, especially like you were saying, they use the tight end as a, a big receiver in the game. And uh, I think that's a big part of my game, being able to move everywhere from slot to outside and uh, be able to create mismatches. Um, so I feel like that's a big part of my game and becoming more of a receiver. I think that's I'm more of a receiving tight end. But obviously I'll get it, my hand in the dirt and box some people as well. You actually got recruited as well by by the SEC, by Auburn, which is very interesting. But again, you passed it up to go to Oregon. Is there anything specific with what they told you versus what Oregon told you to sway it into the Pac-12? A very good team in the Pac-12, but sway it to the Pac-12 over the SEC, which is known to a lot of people's most dominant com- conference in college football. Uh, I definitely agree with you. I'd say the SEC is very dominant, probably the best conference. I'd say the biggest thing that kind of Oregon was different I think Coach Cristobal and the coaches up there are kind of bringing an SEC mentality up to the Pac-12. Um, the way he's recruiting right now, we have one of the top recruiting classes in the nation. Last year's recruiting class was crazy good as well. And he's bringing hard-nosed football to uh, the Pac-12, I believe. So I think that's they're kind of bringing an SEC mentality, I'd say, to the Terrence, you're a big guy, and you look at the tight end position. You need to be big, especially if you want to move from college football to the NFL. And you're six foot five, two hundred and thirty pounds. You're the exact size that you want to be moving forward. Do you see yourself getting bigger playing college ball? I I I don't know if you have ever tested your speed. I you've I don't know what you run the forty in, but the 
the the strength and conditioning of the game from going from college football to the NFL is completely different. The speed of the game. When you look at your game and the way you play the game, do you see yourself as an NFL style player? Uh, I really do. I see myself as a guy who can move around. I think that's where the tight end position is really going to towards now. I see a lot of tight ends going from inline slot, playing some H back even to uh, split out. And I think if you watch my film. I kind of did all of that, and um, I was very blessed to be 6'6", 230, and being able to move still. I think just getting in a college program will get faster and stronger and just become a better player, honestly. Can you see at some point, either in college football or in the NFL, the tight end position surpassing the wide receiver position in terms of overall importance, and why? Um, I, I'd definitely say so. Um, I think even now you can kind of see – the tight end become more important to offenses, and uh, good teams are wanting to get a uh, hold of good tight ends because they have to do pretty much anything on the field. They have to block, and they have to run routes. They have to know the whole offense pretty much. And so I'd say right now they're looking for guys who create mismatches everywhere because you take a six-six guy who's pretty fast and put him outside. They can't put a linebacker on him because he's too slow. Well, you can't put a corner on because he's too small, too weak. I think the tight end is really becoming more more of a threat, honestly, on the offense, catching the ball and just being able to do everything. We are talking to Oregon tight end recruit Terrence Ferguson. Now, Terrence, when I look at guys like Speedy Petey, and uh, he needs another job besides being a producer because he makes a ton of mistakes. I mean, look at this guy right over here. Look at this guy right over here. He makes a ton of mistakes, and we're trying to find him an extra job, and uh, we've talked to a bunch of recruits, and I want you to reach out to your coach. I know there's um, there's a duck that runs around throughout the stadium, a mascot, and I think Speedy would be a great duck. Man, don't you think it? Look at him. Look at him. I mean, seriously, look at this guy right over here. Him running around with one of those duck hats and helmets, whatever the heck it is. What are, what are they? Speedy, you watch the games. It's it's the duck head with a big bill. This is their mascot. So you don't think he would be a good duck? Come on, Terrence. You don't think he look like a big duck? No, I think, I think he'd be a great duck. I think he'd be a great duck too. I, I can make the duck noises. Okay, make a quack sound. You see this? You see what I deal with? You see what I deal with, Terrence? It also it also was my uh, my uh, alarm tone for a while too. And uh, you have an alarm tone of a duck? I used to. I don't anymore. I said I used to. Oh my! Just because God. it was the best sound effect on on the iTunes. There is something the, wrong with you, man. It really is. <laughs> As you guys know, we are talking to Oregon tight end recruit Terrence Ferguson and the future duck and mascot for the Oregon, well, the Oregon Ducks, uh, Mr. Speedy P. Anyways, um. When I look at the game and the transition of some of these young players and the development of some of these players in college, and we don't know if there's going to be a college football season, so that's going to affect possibly the draft next year and where some of these players could be drafted. When you look at your game, what is the, what is the part of your game that stands out from all the other tight ends? Are you, is it your speed? Is it your hands? What stands out? You know that people need to watch. Uh, 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 scouts need to watch and recruit you. As in, if I was an NFL scout, what should I look for in a player like you? Uh, I'd say a big thing with me is probably making tough catches in traffic and um, some pretty crazy catches in my catch radius. Um, I feel like there's not many balls that are thrown that aren't catchable for me. I feel like oh, uh, I don't have many balls that are thrown like uncatchable. I had a bunch of balls on the ground that I'm diving to pick up 
Uh, I thought my catch radius was pretty big. And then I'd say my versatility being able to move from outside, inside, and, uh, being able to create mismatches just off, off my size and speed. Is there any specific spot, because the tight end position is so versatile, like you mentioned, is there any specific spot on the field that you like running routes from more, and why? Um, so I, I play in my high school. We have another kid, Eric Olson, who's going to CU next year. And uh, so he kind of puts his hand in the dirt and he's more of the traditional tight end. And uh, I played more like a receiver, like all the time. And um, so I'd probably say now I, I like running routes from the slot more because you can't double team me. My whole uh, junior year, I got double teamed sitting on the outside. So we had to move myself, move me around a little bit to change up things. Terrence, was there any other position you played in high school besides tight end? And why, if if you did, why did you why did you choose the position at tight end to move forward as a college football player? Um, I didn't really get played in any other position in high school because our coach kind of stuck it to uh, platooning, which is like one side of the ball only right now. But I will um, this year. I'll play the end as well. So. But I'd say the big thing is that's the edge where I played uh, was a tight end. You're entering a conference now in the Pac-12 that is always known for its parity. They have these crazy, especially with football, Pac-12 after dark games. What are you? What What is the mentality going into those kinds of things for you now as as a player? Where you know there's a lot of road teams. Was that a big reason you picked that conference as a whole because of the competitiveness? Um, I say I grew up watching Pac-12 football, so I think. It was kind of a little bit of a like theme my recruitment, but I'm excited to get out there and play whoever really. We are talking to Oregon tight end recruit Terrence Ferguson. Now, Terrence, we like to have some fun with some of the people that we have on the show, and I, I ask these these silly questions to some of these guys, and some of them find it to be funny. Some of the people think I'm nuts, but I, I want to know your honest opinion when when you were when, in high school. Uh, in the locker room. I'm sure you had a lot of crazy uh, people that you've played with. Were you a standout guy? Were you the funny guy? Were you the comedian? Were you the serious guy? What type of person were you in the locker room? What type of person are you going to be in a locker room with the Oregon Ducks? Uh, it depends on the day. Um, well, we're just practicing, and after practice or before practice, I'm, I'm part of the jokester and give people a hard time. Uh, uh, game day, I feel like I'm pretty serious. I'm sit down. I'm kind of locked in. But uh, when it's just practice, I'm, I'm pretty fun to be around, so I like to joke around a lot. I will say this. I see your picture in the background. Is that you? Is that you in the background? No, that's my uncle. That's your uncle? He kind of looks like you. You're just a little bit of a ginger over there. Maybe, he slicks it. Maybe, if you, maybe if you slick your hair back a little bit more, I mean, you'll look a little bit like him. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> Terrence, what is, the, what is your favorite game you ever played in, and what is the craziest game you ever played in? Uh, my favorite game I probably played in is our rival game. We play a rapper, just like a in-town rival, a little cross-town rival. Um, it was my sophomore year's first year of varsity, and uh, everybody goes that game, like the whole whole city. And so the the stands were packed out. Everybody's like it's a big rivalry. So uh, that was probably my favorite game. We ended up winning that game to take home like the trophy, the rivalry trophy. So that was pretty cool. I said the craziest game I probably played in was our playoff game last year against Dakota Ridge. Um, it went back and forth. We were down, I want to say. 20 at half and came back and 
took the lead with like four minutes left. We ended up losing the game, but uh, with like four minutes left, I went and made a crazy one-handed catch to go up in the playoffs. So that was probably the craziest game because we went back and forth and it came down to the last second touchdown. There's a lot of fans that are asking questions on why you you chose Oregon over Wisconsin. I, I mean, I'm not a Wisconsin fan. I'm actually happy you took Oregon over Wisconsin because I can't yeah. stand the Badgers. But uh, <laughs> was there a reason besides the coaching? And we asked you this question in the beginning. Besides anything that you saw at the school, because I know when you get the chance to see the school, your eyes open up. You see the women. You see all the different things that you get the opportunity to see that you probably won't get to see. Um, bef- before you get to check out the school. What was it that stood out to you besides the coaches? And I'm telling you, I know, and you could be honest here, because when I was scouting and I was looking at schools and I looked at certain things, too, that I, I was nitpicking about the school, was there a particular thing that stood out to you about the Oregon, uh, Oregon school over, let's say, Auburn or Wisconsin or whatever schools were recruiting you? Um. So I never actually got to get down to or get up to Oregon. Oh, really? So I didn't really get to get out there. Um, but I said the biggest thing that kind of stood out growing up that was my dream school was going to Oregon. Not once I got into the recruiting class, I didn't think it was going to work out being able to go to my dream school, and it was like different looking at it from a recruiting process to a fan. But I say growing up, it was my dream school. I'd say another big thing that stood out was the class that they were building already. They had a crazy good offense class and uh, overall a good class going. So I kind of saw myself with those guys. Those guys reached out to me and talked to me quite a bit too. So Oregon obviously just had a longtime quarterback and Justin Herbert just get drafted. So you'll be dealing with a, a guy who's going to be a first-time starter. How do you mm-hmm. think that'll? Uh, how do you think you'll, that'll help you make your adjustments? And what do you think it'll be like trying to learn from somebody who's starting for the first time? He's big and he's going to dominate. That's what he's going to do. That's what he's going to do. <laughs> That's what he's going to do. You watch. He's going to dominate, yeah. and he's going to kick the living you-know-what out of the Wisconsin Badgers, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's for you, Josh. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, I think I think it'll be a good thing, honestly, to have uh, they have the quarterbacks there right now. But I also know uh, in my class, Ty Thompson, I've watched uh, some film on him as well. And the kid's crazy good. I have, He's really good, honestly. And, uh so I'm, I'm excited just really to have a really uh, good quarterback wherever whoever plays. Well, I will ask I will ask you this question because that's who I am. I I've asked a different recruits, wide receivers, tight ends, all the different recruits, offensive recruits that we've asked, running backs, quarterbacks. Your opportunity when you have the first opportunity to score a touchdown. What type of dance are you gonna are you gonna show somebody some kind of breakout dance? Are you gonna spin on your head? Are you a break dancer? What kind of dance? Are you, could you do the Dougie? Are you good at doing the Dougie? No, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not much of a dancer. I'm kind of. <laughs> You're not a dancer, man. Do I have to send you some videos? I could do it. I mean, this guy right over here beside me. This guy does rocket kicks. I mean, this guy is a terrible dancer. You got to be better than him because any everybody and anybody is. That's better not than hard. Him. Don't worry. Oh my God, man! If if you watch this guy, you just die laughing. I mean, it's even offbeat. The kicks are like all over the place. He's better God forbid, off doing. God forbid I dance to a song that I don't know half the time. Whenever you whenever you make me dance, he'll dance like that to classical music. It's pretty funny, actually. Offbeat, but funny. 
But is there any particular thing that you would do when you score a touchdown? Do you do anything when you score a touchdown in high school? Is there you point to the sky? Do you point to your grandparents? What what is a thing when I because I, I I watch a lot of football and I watch a lot of college football. I want to when I get a chance to see you on the field. I would even with interviewing and we'll get you on the show again. I would love to get you on the show again. But I want to I want to know what you're going to do when you score your touchdown. Are you do you have something planned? Are you you trying to think about that right now? How about you rip the duck? You duck head off the duck mascot and put it on your head when you score a touchdown. That would be funny. That would be funny. <laughs> I haven't really thought about that yet. Um, I'll definitely come up with something. In high school, we're not allowed to celebrate much. There's a couple times I got in trouble for uh, like walking into the end zone and waving at people, but you know, do some running for that. So I haven't really thought about it too. How much could you bench, man? Don't lie to us. How much could you bench? Uh, I think last time I matched it was 290. All right. All right. And you're a big guy, six foot six, 230 pounds. I mean, you're built like an ox. So I- I'm looking forward to watching you because I-, I look at the tight end position is the transition position for the wide, re- wide receiver position in the NFL now. You're, you're looking mm-hmm. at bigger, stronger, faster wide re- you know, uh, tight ends that are coming from college football that can run a 40 in 4'6", four, 4'5", four, with your size and your ability and your strength. Guys like Gronk who couldn't be stopped. Guys like uh, all the different tight ends Herndon. Right now, when we watch, when Chris Herndon actually stays in the game and actually can play, he's he's very hard to stop because of his size, his yeah. ability, and his good hands. So when, when you look at that and you look at the transition of the game in the NFL, is there something particular that you see in your game that can transition into the NFL? Uh, I've said that. Catch radius, honestly. Oh, the catch radius, yes. But is there anything else? Is your speed for for being that you're a, a tight end and, and your size is? Uh, what do you run a forty? Have you ever tested your forty? Yeah, yeah. So I, last year I ran a four eight, and I feel definitely faster now. Wow. Um, As a tight end, you ran a four eight. Yeah, I ran a four eight. That's pretty good. So are you a guy with a long stride or a short stride? Long oh, you're gonna be you're gonna be pretty good, man. Once you develop your, your your breathing technique and your skills as an as an as a grown man, you're gonna be a lot faster than that. But all right, all right. So here we go. We're gonna I'm gonna ask you three questions, okay? They're gonna be outlandish, crazy questions. I want an honest answer, okay? Boxers or briefs, and why? Uh, I said briefs. Uh... Hey, boxes, a little too much, too much air going on. <laughs> 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 it's, it's not, it's not holding nothing. It's not holding nothing. <laughs> Don't tell your mom that because if she's buying boxes for your birthday, she's not going to be very happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> Second question: Your favorite snack and why? I say right now probably the like uncrustable peanut butter sandwiches. Mm. So I'll throw those on the top of the toaster and them brown a little bit, and I think that's my go-to snack right now. Hmm. Interesting. I say that it's quick. It has a has a lot of protein in it with the pro, uh, peanut butter, and it just tastes good. So. Oh, you're a big man, man! You're six foot three, two hundred thirty pounds, yeah. brute muscle. So you could eat uh, six or seven of them a day. It won't even matter. It won't even. It won't even budge you, man. So I, I like that. You like meatloaf? No, I don't, I don't like meatloaf. You don't like meatloaf? Meatloaf is so good, man. It's got such no, a great taste. No. Like you, you like no. steak? Yeah, no, I like steak. What kind of steak do you like? Uh, 
I don't know if it was hot steak. We don't really eat steak much around here, so whatever it is, I don't know what it's called. <laughs> I see. I see. You have tattoos on your arms. What? What? Do, what do those tattoos stand for? Uh, this one, Proverbs seventeen seventeen. It says, uh, "A friend loves at all times the brothers born for a time of adversity," and then some like ducks flying over it. Are you a religious person? Yeah, no, I'm pretty religious. I'd say. Mm-hmm. One more question, buddy. Blondes or brunettes, and why? Uh, I'd say blondes, probably. Blondes? I mean, you're a ginger. Yeah. <laughs> you're a ginger, so you, you'd rather blondes. Uh, honestly, both of them, though. He's not picky. Well, nobody's picky, as long as uh, they're, they're attractive, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, just tell him you like to wear briefs. Maybe that'll attract him even more. <laughs> Anyways, man, I love meatloaf. By the way, I I, I wish yeah. you did, man, because I would send you a meatloaf. <laughs> I'd send you. What's what's your favorite ice cream? Uh, I don't really eat much ice cream. You don't like ice cream, man? Come on, man. Maybe he needs to do his research on steak, and you can send him a steak. I, I will. London broil. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you a London broil. Those are good. Uh, I don't know what that is. But... <laughs> oh my god! Where are you from, anyways? Where? Where? What? Uh, Colorado, right? Yeah, little Colorado, just a little suburb south. Oh, I love Colorado. It's beautiful, beautiful states. Yeah. It is uh, yeah, the mountains over there. You run in the mountains over there. Yeah, no, so I, I live probably like 50, 50 minutes away from the mountains. It's, it, to me, the one thing that I love when I went to Colorado is the fact that you get to see the beauty of the – and the city looks like – over here, it looks like our towns. It, it's, so, it's so unique. It's so, like, con, you know, contained. It, it's, it's very different than it is here in New York. Uh, if, if nobody's ever been to Colorado, you have to check it out. Denver is beautiful. Um, I went to uh, – Colorado Springs, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful yeah. place. And the women are beautiful, too, so you yeah, know yeah. about that. You know all about that, right? <laughs> Before we let you go, my friend, I, I just want to let you know I would love to get you back on um, in the near future, before the season or during the season. I, I would like to see uh, how you're doing and, and the growth uh, you know, of the Oregon Ducks. I, uh, by the way, they're sponsored by Nike, one of the only teams sponsored by Nike. So you get, you get all your nice cleats and nice gloves from Nike, so that's good. Yeah. I know you're excited about that. A little Air Jordan. I'm pretty excited about that. I'm not going Well, yeah, I, I know you're excited. I'm excited for <laughs> you. I'm excited for you. So there you go, man. We're, we're both excited. We're all excited. So maybe you can send me a jersey. I would love to get a jersey. I'm not an autograph, and I'm not paying you for your autograph because I don't want to get you in trouble, buddy. Yeah, uh, yeah no. But I would love – listen, I have told this to a lot of recruits. I'm – Having you guys on the show, I become fans of yours, and I want to see your growth as a player. I want you to get your dreams. I want you to be an NFL player, and I want to see what you can do as an NFL player. So I'm going to keep in touch with you, man, and we're going to get you on the show again. We really appreciate you joining us. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'd love to be back on. Absolutely, man. And, you know, it, listen, if you want to go and find those blondes, man, I, I'll give you a little <laughs> tip. Man. Uh, blonde, for some reason, they, they do like gingers, man. You know what you got to do, man? You just slick your hair back. You put a nice <laughs> smile on your face and just tell them you play for the Oregon Ducks. They'll fall in love with you, man. There you go, man. All you got to do, man. That's all you got to do, bro. And you do that, 
and you'll be good. And you're good people, man. I, I, I really like you. You've you got a good personality, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you grow as uh, a college player. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, Terrence, why don't you tell all the fans how they can find you on social media? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Terrence F3, and then uh, also on Twitter at TF3, and then spell out for F-O-U-R. Terrence, are you following us, man? Are you following us? Uh, I think so. I think so. Oh, man, you got to follow us, man, because, uh, you know, I could send you pictures of beautiful women, and, and we'll be happy, you know? I mean, I, I could do that for you, you know? And maybe I can hook you up when you go over there to Oregon. You, know, you never know, man. I, I'm, I'm just trying, man. <laughs> Brothers need to help each other, you know? But anyways, uh, I really appreciate you joining us, man, and... Uh, good luck. Hopefully you have a season, and we're going to be in touch. I'd love, I, we'd love to get you back on, maybe on my FM show on Saturdays, uh, so Long Island gets to know you a little bit more personally on the FM dial here within the 55, 60-mile radius over here. Yeah, no, for sure. Absolutely. Terrence, thank you. Thank you, too. Appreciate you. As you guys know, we were just talking to Oregon tight end recruit Terrence Ferguson. Great kid, man. Great kid. Great kid. And funny guy. And apparently hasn't had a lot of meat in his, uh, well, in his, in his time there. We got to help him. You got to send, well, send him some steaks. Meatloaf. And, meatloaf. Steaks and meatloaf. We got to give him some meatloaf. You know, that's what we got to do. But <laughs> send, send him both and uh, have him research it or something like that. So he knows all the names of them. <laughs> Absolutely. By the way, I am a matchmaker, Carl. I'm just trying to help here. Uh, as you know, Josh says irrelevant to you because that's your favorite word, irrelevant. That's my favorite word when talking to you. It's yeah. not my favorite word talking to everyone else. You're annoying. <laughs> Sometimes when I – you'll laugh. <laughs> what, what, yes, what, I know. The what, crow laugh. The crow laugh. I'm, I'm telling you, man, if you guys – if you guys ever listen to a crow like make these sounds, Speedy's laugh is like a crow, man. It is terrible. It is a ter- I, my laugh's like a clown. He's like a crow. When you put a crow and a clown together, I don't know what it makes, but it, it doesn't make a crow make- and a clown together. Mm. That's a very interesting combination. I never would have thought would no. have been brought up in any context. But here we are. <laughs> I'm just trying to help you here, Speedy. I'm just trying to help you. Josh, Josh is saying uh, should have picked Wisconsin over Oregon. Well, maybe the maybe the Rose Bowl helped his decision there. Mm. Maybe it did. Anyways, when we come back, we're going to get into some New York Nick conversation. Tom Thibodeau, or Thibs, or whatever you want to call him, Thibodeau, is now the New York Knicks' new head coach. I will tell you why I absolutely love this move. Here on Down to the Wire. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, 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 you're listening, listening to Down to, down to the, the wire. wire on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Six three one nine six five four nine nine zero. This is Down to the Wire. We are live every single Monday and Tuesday from six p.m. to eight p.m. New York Eastern Time. Little Method Man. Ho ho ho. Speedy's annoying. I tell you this. More mistakes from this guy every single day. But I love this kid. He just laughs like a crow. He kind of scares me. You love the crow. Sometimes. 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 (laughs) Sometimes when we're doing interviews, uh, the crow kind of scares me. Oh, I made the duck noise. Oh, you did. You did. You made a a quacking sound. But uh, it's definitely scary. Uh, As you guys know, you can follow us by going to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Shout out to Terrence Ferguson for joining us. Great kid. 
Great interview. Gave us some good insight. And we know he likes blonde women, too. So blonde women. So if anybody knows a blonde woman that you can hook up with Terrence, uh, send it his way. That's what we're going to say. Anyways, uh, there was a lot of things that happened this weekend. We just talked about Jamal Adams. Uh, the New York Knicks have announced who their new head coach is going to be. And it's no, no other than Tom Thibodeau. And I, I, I told you guys November 2019, I wrote a story on why I thought Tom Thibodeau would be the perfect match for the New York Knicks before they brought in Rose, before they brought in new executives and new people to run the organization. I just thought that Thibs wanted to be here in New York. He's from New York. And his dream job, all really, even when he was in Chicago, and he was everybody was asking him, and they were interviewing, what is your dream job in the NBA? He said that he wanted to be the New York Knicks head coach. And for years, mm. for years, the Knicks interviewed him, and they just didn't go with him. They interviewed him before Jeff Hornacek. They decided to go with Jeff Hornacek. What a big bust that was. <laughs> when they brought in Derek Fisher, before they brought in Derek Fisher, they interviewed Tom Thibodeau. Did that work? No, it did not. So now this third charm is the charm, and they had the opportunity. They brought in the right guy in Rose, and Rose really had no other guy besides Tom Taylor. Now he interviewed Kenny Atkinson. Now a lot of people wanted Kenny Atkinson because he developed a lot of young players on the Nets. Uh, he was there for two years. You saw the growth of some of the young players. And I, Mikey C and me are arguing this uh, off air, and I'll tell you this. <laughs> Mikey can say whatever he wants about Tom Thibodeau. Go look at his record. His record speaks for himself. Was he successful with the Timberwolves? He wasn't, okay? Nobody who is put in, besides Bill Belichick, has been successful as a GM and a coach. Okay? It just doesn't work that way. It's very, very hard to run an organization and coach a team. Yeah, you only see that really in football, and they've tried it in basketball. But like you said, it's not something that is very rare. You need it's, it's something that's very rare. You need a case like that to happen. And Belichick has still, to this day, has been the only one who's been able to do that. We've seen teams function with good GMs and great coaches, or combination of both, or one or the other kind of thing. But yeah, he's really the only one. And especially doing it in basketball, where it's a lot more player driven. The GMs matter for sure, but it's not as big of a deal as it is in some other sports where they have more of the control. So. That kind of thing, yeah, you could tell that something like that was either going to be a complete boom where Thibodeau did everything right or was complete, be a complete bust where, like you were saying, the young players really didn't tend to him in Minnesota. But you're right. They did tend to him in Chicago, and they were able to develop those players well as when he was just a coach. And that, now that's what he is with the Knicks. Now, the granted, the Knicks are a younger team, I think, than the, what the Bulls were when they hired him. But it's still a good hire for that reason. Those are young players. And now, again, a lot of people were saying Atkinson because of the young players, and I wanted him too. But Thibodeau, it's not like Thibodeau is the other extreme where he's only good with veterans. He's good with young players too. First of all, and Mikey says, so well, Tom, Thibodeau, uh, Tom Thibodeau is not good with young players. What about Derrick Rose? Derrick Rose, when Tom Thibodeau took over the team, Derrick Rose was a rookie. Was Derrick Rose a bad player before he hurt his knee? No, he wasn't. And he was yeah, an he MVP was, his second year. And he was a good player. I understand his development and his skill. Uh, again, Tom Thibodeau... Helped him grow as a player. You ask Derrick Rose, he became a better player with Tom Thibodeau. Then you ask Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, when he came into the league, first of all, he was a late first-round draft pick. His skill was practically a great defender. He came from a, a team. Uh, what did he play for? I forget I'm, where I'm he played for. I'm trying to remember. For. I think it was, an, it, was a, it was a mid-major school. No, it was a small school. I think it right. was. I, I think it was. What do you oh, no, doing? he did play for Marquette. Okay, Marquette. Okay. It was a small school. Um, Marquette and, 
And Jimmy Butler was not a great offensive player. His skill was developed with Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau made him shoot 500 shots a day, made him work on his foul shooting. He became a great player, a great all-around player behind under Tim Tom Thibodeau. He became the superstar player under Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau traded for Jimmy Butler from Chicago to the Timberwolves, it didn't work. And it really affected the teams. It hurt Carl Anthony Towns' growth. It hurt Andrew Wigginson. Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins is gone. He was traded to the Golden State Warriors. And Carl Anthony Towns is still there, and Jimmy Butler isn't. He's with Miami. And Tom Thibodeau is no longer there. Tom Thibodeau, you look at his record, 598 games, 352 wins, 246 losses, with a 589 winning percentage. Those are good numbers. And even after after Rose got hurt a lot of the times and Butler was really the only guy there and a lot of their players were younger, they were still a competitive team. They were a playoff team pretty consistently, even, again, losing Rose to all the injuries he had, again, which unfortunately derailed what would have been a very good career for him. And they still were winning amidst all that because of the defense. They were a five seed a lot of the time or a six seed. They even hung tough, I think, Butler's last year when he was there before he was traded to Minnesota as an eight seed. Remember that against the Celtics where they were, I think, up to nothing or something like that. And every game was close in that series when the Celtics were a one seed. So they definitely have been a tough playoff out and a very good well-run system because Thibodeau was there, too. And I don't think that'll change with his coaching style. It's just, again, like you are saying, the GM thing really. He's a drill sergeant, and this is what the New York Knicks have needed for years. I don't care what anybody says. I'm a New York Knicks fan, and I've sat back, watched the Knicks play terrible basketball. They have had one really good season in the last, I would say, 15 years. Mm -hmm. And that was with Carmelo Anthony, and I said this the other day. 54, the 54 win season that the Knicks had when he was offensive uh, player of the year and he won the uh, scoring, title. scoring title for the New York Knicks. And he was runner up for the MVP under, behind uh, Kevin Durant. I think it was Kevin it was Durant. LeBron. Durant was the next year. Okay, so it was LeBron James. But I look at Tom Thibodeau as, as a guy that is a player's coach as much as a drill sergeant. Players thrive to him. Now, I know there's a lot of players that have come out and said that this was a bad move by the New York Knicks, bringing in a guy to try to develop some of the young talent that they have right now, like R.J. Barrick and, and Kevin Knox and, and Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson, if you've seen the video, he's shooting three-point shots. So he is trying to develop his three-point shot, and he's trying to get his 17-foot jumper. If he figures that out, Mitchell Robinson is going to be a dangerous player. You need to play defense. If you want to win championship in the, in the NBA, it becomes a half-court game in the playoffs. If you do not play defense, you do not win. You could say whatever you want about your offensive style of game. Golden State Warrior, the Golden State Warriors for years had a great offensive team. Did they win every year? They didn't. And you know why they didn't win every single year? Because they didn't play defense every single year. And also a lot of those years that they did win, too. People forget how good, how much of a good defender Clay Thompson grew into, especially on the perimeter. And then Draymond Green, who was always a good defender for a long time when he was in the league. If those two players didn't grow as defenders like they did, they wouldn't have gone anywhere, too, because they could have lost shootouts to the other teams they played. Because, again, they weren't always the favorites in their first part of their existence. They really only became the favorites in 2015 when Steph was the MVP. Why would anybody be upset that Tom Taylor Thibodeau took over the team. First of all, out of all the coaches that were available, Jason Kidd, Kenny Atkinson, all of them, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, the best high-profile coach out of all of them is Tom Thibodeau. You could say whatever you want. Go look. Besides Jeff Van Gundy, who out of all those guys has a better record and a better background as a head coach and as an assistant coach in the NBA? The answer is nobody. 
Nobody. Jeff Van Gundy hasn't coached in about 10 years right. with the Houston Rockets. So I, I would even take him out of the equation. I'm talking about Mark Jackson, uh, Kenny Atkinson. Now, I'm not saying Kenny Atkinson isn't a great coach, and he's not going to get another coaching job in the league. The problem with Kenny Atkinson, and, and I want to know the reason why the Nets decided to fire him after his second year. I don't care what anybody says. Kenny Atkinson's a sensational coach. You see the development. Jeremy Lin gives him a lot of credit for his development as a New York Knicks. He was an assistant coach with the Knicks. He, he is a guy that knows how to develop players. You see what the Nets, are, Nets have done over the years. But the problem right now with Kenny Atkinson is we don't know the, behind the reasons before, uh, Sean Marks on why he fired him. This is a guy that got the Nets in his practically first year as, the, as a Nets coach. All these players, he didn't have any superstars on the team. He practically took that team to the playoffs right. it was with all, 42 wins. Right, It was all second round and undrafted talent he had to work with, with the exception of Karis LeVert. That was the one first round pick they had, and LeVert's always hurt. So it's not like you're dealing with a player that's a, a superstar player that's healthy all the time either. And even the years they didn't make the playoffs, they were always a tough out. They were always pesky and... Like you were saying, he made the playoffs the last two years. So it's really impressive what he has done. And I think if NBA GMs are smart, which oftentimes they're not, but if they're smart, you would definitely see Atkinson in another coaching job in a heartbeat. And and here's another thing. Tom Thibodeau, if he didn't get this New York Knicks job, I think this would have been done with Tom Thibodeau making an attempt to get his dream job. He's been applying for this position for years. And just nobody, James Dolan or whoever was running the organization, Phil Jackson or anybody, Didn't want him to be the coach. Why? I don't understand. Uh, You need a drill sergeant. You need a guy that's going to push the players. This guy is going to push the players to the limit. If you don't play defense, you don't play. That's what you want. Mm -hmm. The New York Knicks, the culture of the New York Knicks organization throughout the years was defense, defense, defense. Some of you guys never got to see the Knicks of the 90s. I did. The reason why the Knicks were so good is you had guys like Charles Oakley and Mark Jackson and Anthony Dave, uh, Anthony, uh, I'm sorry, um, Anthony oh, Mason oh. or Greg Anthony or Charlie Ward. All these players, they played defense. Patrick Ewing, even Charles Smith, who can't hit a layup, <laughs> played defense. It's defense. Defense wins championships. Say whatever you want about professional sports. You want to talk about the quarterback position in football. You want to talk about the pitching position in baseball. You want to talk about uh, basketball. You want to talk about offense and, and shooting threes. That's great. If you don't play defense, you don't win championships. Just ask the Houston Rockets. <laughs> ask the Houston Rockets. They have two guys that score about 30 points a game, and they can't get over the hump. This is, this is the problem right now with the NBA. And that's what Tom Thibodeau preaches. You know why the Timberwolves weren't successful? They didn't play defense. They didn't play defense. And you can't blame the coach. The coach can only take them to that next, that next edge. Right. And they didn't get over that edge. They didn't get over that hump. Right. And it, it didn't work for Carl Anthony Towns. Especially in a, in a sport, just a sport in general, where it's the hardest sport to play defense. It's the highest scoring, I mean, just numbers-wise, the highest scoring sport. So when you do play good defense, it really does matter that much more. Any other championship team, even if the offensive focal point is still the strength of their team, like we were saying with with the quarterbacks, like with the Chiefs this year. It was more of an offensive team, but they still needed some level of defense in order to win. They needed to be above average, at least. And same thing, like we were saying with the Warriors. If their defense wasn't above average, they would look like the Rockets, too. And that's why when I look at the, th- the big picture here with the New York Knicks, they picked the right guy. They picked the right guy. Now, 
we'll see what the right guy does when it comes to developing these players and, and the way they're going to build the team around R.J. Barrett because that's where we're going to see a championship competitive team or a team that's going to be completely outlandish and is never going to make the playoffs, and we're going to see Tom Thibodeau in for two years and fired like all the rest of the coaches. We expect Tom Thibodeau to get the best out of these players defensively and offensively. And hopefully guys like RJ Barrett will go up and down the court defensively to offensively and play his game. Jason Kidd was a highly profiled guy and a front runner for this position. I didn't understand it. it. Was it true? Was it not true? We'll never know. The fact is, is it's Tom Thibodeau. It's his team. And now we got to see what this team is going to be developed as. Are they going to bring in free agents? Are they going to be in, bring in Giannis in a year? Are they going to m- maybe make a move for Anthony Davis when he becomes a free agent after this year, after the Lakers this Bradley season? Bradley Beal, another option. Bradley Beal is yeah. another one that they can make a trade. How about Carl Anthony Towns? Right. Mm-hmm. I know it didn't work over there with the Timberwolves. Maybe it'll work with Tom Thibodeau and the New York Knicks with R.J. Barrett. Who knows what Rose is planning? But the fact is right now, when you look at the big picture of where this New York Knicks team is, they're in a lot better place with Thibodeau than they were with Miller or Fisdale or any of the other coaches they've had over the last couple of years, and Jeff Hornacek right. and Derek uh, Fisher. And a lot of those coaches, too, were a lot of times were just puppets for Phil Jackson, too. And you can't really have that for just being a puppet for a guy who's a presidential uh, or president of basketball operations. It works for players. Obviously, we see with LeBron. Tyron Lue is a terrible coach, and he won a championship because of LeBron. Steve Kerr, we mock him all the time because he has loaded talent around him. He's not a great coach, but he won with a loaded talent around him. The Knicks don't have that right now because the Knicks are a rebuilding team. They're a young team, and we'll see what the young players develop into. They need that kind of coach, real coaching that'll help them grow as a team and make them competitive and make it attractive again for it to come to the Knicks. Now, again, there's still the James Dolan factor, but they need to make it in a different way attractive to come to the Knicks than just Madison Square Garden, just New York. And that's why when you look at Tibbs and you look at the, look at everything that we've been talking about week in and week out, he was the right guy for the job. Anybody that doesn't think he was right, the right guy for the job, you can call the show and you can argue your points at 631-965-4990. I, I, I would love to hear what some of the fans think on the Tom Thibodeau acquisition. I think it was a good move by the New York Knicks. I think when, when you look at some of these players and you want to you get mo- the most out of Kevin Knox, who uh, a lot of people thought was going to be a good player and really has fallen off the last year, year and a half, I want to see Tom Thibodeau get the best out of him. If he's not an offensive player, turn him into a shutdown defensive player. We know what Nilakina could be as a defensive player, and he's transitioned into a pretty good offensive player as well. Dennis Smith Jr., another guy that's young and talented. Maybe he can bring him, you know, bring him back and, and, and rediscover who he really is as an NBA player. He's an interesting one because he was very similar as a prospect to what Derrick Rose was when he came out of Memphis. So that could definitely could be an interesting one to look at. Obviously, Smith, obviously a little more raw than Rose was, but still a very similar type of player, a fast attacking point guard like Rose was. And, and I, I, again, going back to – and I, I want to get off the topic with Tom Thibodeau because we, we, we could talk about this all single day. I, I, I know we have Mark hopefully coming on. Hopefully. hopefully. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with him. Hopefully he's okay and he's alive. But mm-hmm. uh, Mark It Up will be here at 730. Uh, we do that every single Monday. Um, but I want to get into baseball. And uh, today uh, there was a story that came out from Miami that 14 players came down with COVID and two head uh, two coaches on the, on the Miami um, Marlins. Marlins. Came down with COVID-19. 
I know a lot of people looking at this big picture now, well, maybe they should cancel all the games, cancel the season now because this is going to be an outbreak. Right now they have to move forward. Baseball is a big part on why we can move forward and kind of forget what's going on in the world. And you look at hockey. Hockey's coming back ne- uh, this coming week on Saturday, which I'm excited about. I wanted to, I, I wanted to see the NHL come back, and I want to see the NBA come back. And I understand that there's so many things going on right now with this COVID-19. And hearing this story with the Marlins, it's not a good story. It's not a good start. And the Yankees canceled their game and postponed their game tonight against Philadelphia, which I wanted to see. It was Joe Girardi, Joe Girardi versus his oh, old team. Yeah. I wanted to see it, and I don't know if we're going to see that. We might not see that this year. So uh, hearing that this story came out, that uh, the Marlins players and 14 Marlins players came down with it, and they're still playing. They're still playing uh, tonight. I think they're playing tonight. I think they're playing tomorrow. I think they got an off day. But they are going to play. I think they travel to Baltimore. I think their flight got postponed because of it, and then they travel to Baltimore tomorrow and play, I think, either a two- or a three-game series with the Orioles. They're going to play. And... I don't understand why they canceled the Yankee game. It makes absolutely no sense. The Yankees, nobody came down with the Yankees. Just because the Marlins came down, 14 guys and two coaches came down with uh, COVID-19, that doesn't mean in another place, in another field, that the Yankees or the Philadelphia Phillies are going to come down with COVID-19. What, are you going to be scared? You're going to hide under your bed? I mean, come on. Plus, it's a difference in region, too. I know the, the, I know the Marlins just played against Philadelphia. Maybe that's the reasoning why, but again, they can also... It's also in, Phil- in Florida. Florida, it's a, so much of an outbreak right. right now. Right, that's what I was about to get to. The geographic measure of who, who the actual team is. It's not just a random opponent. It's not like the Phillies just played against the Red Sox and the Red Sox came down with it. I'd be a little more concerned for this region if that was the case. But it's the Marlins who come from the hotbed of this this virus. And obviously they just played in Philadelphia. So, yeah, that's going to not make a difference to a team like the Yankees. It was If it was the Rays traveling up, if it was Atlanta or something like that, okay. But it's the Yankees who are completely different spots. <laughs> And the Yankees, by the way, are two and one right now, and, and we expected this. The, the Yankees are going to be uh, one of the top teams going into this 16-game playoff uh, uh, presentation of Rob Manfred's crap. Okay, because <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Rob Manfred. Still not a big fan of him because I think he should have really dropped a hammer on the Houston Astros, but. I, I don't agree with this 16-game playoff skit. I know a lot of people love it, and it, it's going to make a lot of fans and a lot of uh, different teams that you wouldn't expect to make the playoffs to make the playoffs and make a run, which it, it'll make it exciting. But it also helps some of the good teams where they're going to have to go through round, through round, through round, and, and try to get to the World Series. And if they don't get there, it's a complete bust for them of the season. Guys, teams like the Yankees, teams like the Dodgers, teams like the Philadelphia Phillies, or the, or, or the St. Louis Cardinals, or somebody like right. that among some of the top teams in the league where they're going to have to work even harder to get to the World Series. I don't like that. But again, Rob Manford wants to wave his magic, ma- magic wand and, and try to uh, uh, change things right now in the major leagues, uh, a.k.a. umpires that are electronic, <laughs> and um, speeding up the game. Why don't you get the players to stay in the box and stop playing with their right. gloves or playing with their cleats or smelling their bats? How's that sound? And I even tried to do that with the, this new extra inning rule, too, which I find very strange as well, putting the runner on second right away. And... If that speeds up the game, I don't know how it would necessarily, because you have to consider all circumstances. It could be like a college football overtime where they, one team responds with one run and the other responds with another. It's not necessarily going to speed up the game. Plus, you've still got more pitching changes. Now, there is the three-batter minimum, which 
yeah, that maybe will leave a pitcher in longer, but it also they can micromanage it where they just face three batters and then three batters. And then, so these rules are very contradicting in itself, and we'll see how the rest of it plays out in a larger sample when we see these rules come into play. I know the the Athletics and Angels when they played their first game, the Athletics actually did a genius thing where they threw to third on a ground ball to first and got actually Shohei Otani out at third, and then they won the game later on. So we'll have to see how those strategies come in in a larger sample. But you're right, I think he's doing very way too much to twist the rules around. In terms of the playoff expansion, six teams I think would have been fine, but eight's too much. It's way too much, and I, it doesn't make any sense to me. But, again, Rob Manford is waving his magic wand and hoping that it will stick, <laughs> like everything else, to his toilet. Maybe, maybe his uh, tenure as commissioner, too. Uh, hopefully. Uh, in 2024, when his uh, commissioner see whatever you want to say, uh, as the commissioner of Major League Baseball, some of these owners and some of the players, maybe the players' union decide to get rid of this this man who I thought was going to be a great, um, a great G, I mean, a great commissioner, yeah. a great commissioner for the Major League Baseball, and really give baseball a different outlook uh, moving forward. He has absolutely bombed on that, and and Bud Selig, who I can't stand. I'd rather Bud Selig right now than Rob Manfred. I, I, I could say that. <laughs> Didn't you say you wanted a was it Cal Ripken Jr. To be yeah, Cal Ripken Jr. Yeah. I, I bring a Rod in as a, as the. As the commissioner of baseball. Anything but Rob Manfred. After he loses owning the Mets, he'll go, go I mean, uh, try for that. A-Rod came out and said that uh, players should have a uh, salary, which is absolutely ridiculous. Well, this is a guy that's made millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> this guy's a practically a billionaire because of the New York Yankees, and this guy wants everybody to be on a salary after he made all that money. What a maybe, joke. Maybe he should overcompensate. Again. What a <laughs> joke. <laughs> I give some of his money back for that. And I love A-Rod, but what a joke. I mean, the the... The thought of trying to get the MLBPA and the players' union to decide on a way where players can get a salary instead of getting outpaid or overpaid for the position or or uh, playing Major League Baseball is absolutely ridiculous. It's never going to happen. I think I think Rob Manford better not try to make it happen because it won't work. It won't. Carl, you're asking the question, why is eight teams too much? I think it's too much for the sense of you're going to have a cases like the NBA, especially in a shortened season where you're going to have a lot of under 500 teams making the playoffs. And I know you're trying to improve parity, but I think in terms of this particular setup, there's going to be a lot of small samples and it's going to be very hard to be able to judge. I think six is a very reasonable amount. And even five right now that they have is fine. I don't, I don't really have a problem with that the way it was. I think you're going to see a lot of, like the Eastern Conference in the NBA, just below 500 teams that shouldn't get in. And again, eight is too many for me. I I would have stuck with six, uh, six from one league, six from the other. That's twelve teams. That's more than enough. Uh, you don't want to water down the competition. And, and, and I know everybody says, well, may the best team win. That's great. But then you put some of these great teams at risk. If the Yankees get knocked off in the first round, well, you're going to say, well, that's the Yankees' fault. Yes, but how is it fair if the Yankees win um, 45 games out of uh, 60? Is that fair to the Yankees to, to, to be knocked out of the playoffs? Before we go to break, who do we have on the phone? Who are we speaking to? I think to? it's Anthony. Anthony, what's going on, my friend? Anthony, are you there? No, this is Nathan. Oh, it's Nathan, Nathan. what's going on, man? Yeah, <laughs> what's up? What's going on? What would you like to talk about, my friend? Hey, I'm on the air right now. You are on the air right now, buddy. Yo, uh, I just want to say a quick birthday shout-out to Kyle. Happy birthday, Kyle. Thank you. Kyle, it's your birthday? Uh, yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah. 
You didn't tell me that. That's why they came. Yeah. It, was, it was a birthday thing. You did not tell me it was your birthday. Yes, because you started spanking weird comments about my mother. Well, so that distracted from everything. Well, because your mom is a beautiful woman, and I want to sing to her happy birthday. How's that sound? Well, Maybe her, her birthday is actually a week before yours, April 22nd. Really? Yeah. So she's a Taurus. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> That's even better. She's of a tourist. giving you fuel for, for all uh, this. Yes, me and your mom have so much in common. It, it's a great thing, man. It's a great. Happy birthday, man. Thank you. You didn't tell me that. What, what's, what's going on with you, man? Again, I would have gotten How to How old that. are you now? Are you, are you 62? I uh, cut that in half and then minus uh, something else. So 25. 25, man? Or, man, you're getting old, man. I'm getting old. You're getting old, man. I, I mean, I'm only 13 years older than you, so there you go. <laughs> when you were born, uh, you were born in a li- as a little critter. I was 13 years old. Yep. Being kicked out of public school. Figure that one out. Yeah. Nithin, what do you yep. think about Jamal Adams going to Seattle, buddy? Oh man, I really wanted him in of Dallas. Uh, but I really wanted him. I really wanted him to come to Dallas, but I guess uh, the Jets. I knew the Jets were going to go in a different direction. And man, what a what a trade for! I think the Jets. It's a win win for both teams anyway. But the Seahawks needed that safety, and uh, the Jets got uh, a safety back. And the draft picks are mo- the, a boring thing in the uh, trade anyway. The first two first round picks, and I think I think this is. Seahawks gave up too much, mm-hmm. um, but my opinion on this is Jamal Adams has two more years left. It's not a guarantee that he's going to stay in Seattle either, and I, I don't know if Seattle. I don't know if Seattle wants to pay him that much money. So I can see him leaving a free agency and going somewhere else. I could see him leaving too, and I think he. I think he wants to go to Dallas. He grew up a Dallas Cowboy yeah. fan. He grew. He grew yeah. up in Texas. That's where he's from. I mean, his father played for the Giants. Uh, if you know the little bit of a story, he was a running back. He was an NFL player for the Giants. He was drafted by the Giants. But all in all, he grew up a Dallas, a Dallas Cowboy fan, and that's where he wants to go. He wants to play for Jerry Jones. You're right, and I said that too. I, don't be so surprised if, if a guy like uh, Jamal Adams decides to part ways with Seattle after two years and go to the, and flee to the Cowboys. It makes sense, and, and giving up that many you know, prospects and that many uh, draft picks, draft picks it, it does affect them. And and another thing, uh, looking at the big picture, the Cowboys were never getting Jamal Adams. It would, the Jets were never trading him to the Cowboys because that's what Jamal wanted. The Jets were not going to do that. And they were going to be stingier with him too, them too, especially since that was his prime spot. And again, the Cowboys, I don't know if they have the leeway to trade as many draft picks like the Seahawks did for, for two reasons. One of which is they have to pay a lot of people, so they're going to have to let other guys go, which you need the draft picks to replace them just to have starters on your football team. And two, Seattle always drafts weird anyway, and they like to trade back a lot. As weird so. as you? As weird as you look? As weird as I look, maybe. <laughs> I mean, you're going to be—he's going to be the new mascot for the Oregon Ducks, and apparently get my uh, yeah, help, get get the mascot head ripped off on me in a celebration. That's right. <laughs> here's a here's another interesting point, though. Uh, obviously, I'm a, I'm a big Dallas Cowboys fan, and the next two years will dictate uh, the the contract situation for the, uh, for the players that we need to resign. And I think in the next two years, you never know. Uh, I think we'll have money. No, they won't. Uh, right now, we have no money. To They're not going to still... have any money to get Jamal Adams unless Jamal Adams takes a big pay cut. But you still have to replenish other parts of your football team then, and that's harder to do just in one draft and n- giving out that much money. You need corners badly after losing Byron Jones. You need some interior. They improved their interior defensive line. But they Byron Jones stinks. But, he, but he's still the best corner by far they have on their team. Man. He absolutely stinks. <laughs> Dunk. But regardless, season. right? But regardless, their their drop up now goes to Chidobe Awuze, who's a average no, two corner no, no. at best. 
We got Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs is going to be a star in the league. Oh, maybe, but I don't see him being much more than a Trayvon Davis? Are you kidding me? I don't see him being much more than a low-end one. Byron Jones was a better prospect than he was. <laughs> Niffin also, Seattle did not need a safety. They didn't. They, they wanted Jamal Adams because he's a leader, and they're trying to Wait, redevelop the Legion of Boom. Hold on. He's not a leader. No, listen to me. How is, he get, how is he a leader if he's talking smack on Twitter all the time and talking shit to the Jets and all of the stuff? How is he a leader? Well, again, the leadership skills that he has before everything that was going on behind closed door and throughout social media, he was the leader of the New York Jets. Everybody knows that. As far as the defense is concerned, he was the leader. Um, now, when you look at the big picture, maybe he isn't a leader. Maybe you look at the, the what Le'Veon Bell said, and, and really it, it, it exposes who Jamal Adams is. Jamal Adams never went to J- Le'Veon Bell and tell Le'Veon Bell that uh, that right. he, he wants to be traded. Even though there were stories coming out all over social media, I don't think Le'Veon Bell believed it or did believe that, that Jamal Adams wanted out. He just wanted a contract. When it was traded and he was traded, he was very upset all over social media. He took a shot at Jamal Adams and pretty much told him that he's a pansy. Right, and I think it was also very different than Bell's case, too. Right. Bell seemed yeah. like he wanted out of Pittsburgh. They really hated Pittsburgh. And it wasn't really about the money as much as it was about him just leaving the Steelers because the Steelers were a stingy front office. Jamal had no reason to be hating on the New York Jets. He was under a th- he was he played three years in the NFL. He had two years left on his contract, well, and he could be franchised. You uh, you play out your contract. I don't care. Eric, is, you know, me and Eric have argued this on uh, the weekend crunch for two weeks, and he said, "Give the man the money." The Jets were never giving him the money because he kept opening his mouth. Why would you give a guy $90 million when he's taking shots at the coach, the GM, and the owners? Why would they do that? They were going to get rid of him. And I don't care what Joe Benigno and Evan Roberts said. Because if you think for one second, as much as the Jets have been a crazy and funny and a laughing stock organization, if you think an organization is going to overpay a strong safety that kind of money when he hasn't really done anything, he hasn't even gotten the Jets into a one playoff series. So what the heck? Why would the Jets pay him that money? Why? He hasn't done anything. What has he done? He was an all-pro player? That's not enough. That's not enough. Yeah, so let me ask you, let me ask you this, guys. Uh, this is a two-part question. So do you think in the next two years, do you think the Seahawks will win the Super Bowl? And then who, no. where, do you think, where, where do you think Jamal Adams will end up in the next few years? Do you I, think he'll come to Dallas? I'll, I'll tell you right now where the Seahawks are going to go. I, I argued this with Mikey C., uh, before the show, he said we made a bet, and I, I will tell everybody our bet so everybody knows in the world what we did. Mikey C. made a bet with me that Seattle will make the playoffs this year and be a contender. I said that the Seattle Seahawks won't even make the playoffs this year. It's very possible, and too. You look at their schedule. You look at their offensive line, the depleted offensive line. They lost George Fon. He went to the Jets. He was their best tackle. He was their best offensive lineman. They lost um, Mike Yapati. Mike Yapati, who retired. He's out. He's out. So that whole and they were one of the best running teams in in football throughout the yeah. all the, their whole running team. They, they had three running backs. Like, right. I think they averaged like 153 yards a game or something. Like They're that. not going to be able to run the ball this year, which is going to put more pressure on Russell Wilson to make plays. And I don't care how stri- uh, strategic they are in the open field because he can move inside and out of the pocket. Tyler Lockett is not a big man. He's not a big man. And if he doesn't have time, Russell Wilson's going to run for a deal life. If he gets hurt, they're done. They are done. Tyler Jamal Adams. Hold on one second. Okay. Jamal Adams in that defense, 
You can go up and down that defensive uh, team. They have no pass rusher. Clowney is no longer there. Clark was traded to Kansas City. There is nothing there. They've been known for their pass rushers. Chancellor. Chancellor was a guy that can get to the quarterback. Thomas was a guy that can get to the quarterback. If you're going to depend on Jamal Adams to do everything in the open field, you're out of your damn minds. He didn't do it for the Jets. He's not going to do it for Seattle. Right, and the other thing you have to factor in too, Nithin, is you got a, you had a very big outlier last year where they actually were really good on the road, and that's why they were able to be successful. You can't yeah. expect them to be great on the road again. And then the other extreme is they're going to be playing at home where their crowd is normally the largest, the, lo- the loudest in the league, and it's going to be either no fans or limited fans, and that's like that's going to hurt them too when they're used to having that big home field environment. So you took that from me when I was arguing. I with did, Mikey I City. did, and I, I I love that point. I never thought of it that way, but also you got to factor in too is they have to win the division in order to do it too. They're not winning the division. Which I think will be very hard and because they're not going to win on the road in the playoffs. They're not that kind of team. They can win around maybe, but that's really it if they're a wild card team. But then you're dealing with the Niners and you're also dealing with a very improved Arizona Cardinals team too. Yeah, you're Like Speedy said and like I said to Mikey C, you're not going to have the 12th man anymore. It's not going to be loud anymore. They could, put a, they could put up the sound throughout the stadium. It's not the same. It's not the same. Right. So, and I, I'll tell you this, when, when you look at the big picture with the, the Seattle Seahawks, knowing that they always had the home field advantage, they've only lost five games in four years at home. Five games in four years at home. They're, they're, they're not going to have that ability this year to do what they did over the last couple of years. And Jamal Adams don't want to be in Seattle either. He wants to be with Dallas. Say whatever you want to say. And by the way, Seattle wasn't one of those teams that he wanted to be traded to. He wasn't on the list. So... I mean, so again, looking at Jamal Adams and looking at the big picture now, he didn't get what he wanted. Joe Douglas got what he wanted. The Jets got what he wanted. They got two first-round draft picks, a third, and McDougal, who is a good player. He's a good plug-in safety, and he can also be the slot corner, too. And where he plays will depend on how Ashton Davis develops, too, and what he's better at. Do you guys think, um, do you think, do you guys think my Cowboys will get Jamal Adams in the next two years? No. I do. No. I do. I do. I, I, I do, because I don't think he's going to sign with Seattle. I think he's going he's gonna to take a backfire. If Seattle don't make the playoffs this year, and it quite possibly could happen, Jamal Adams wants to make the playoffs. He wants to, he wants to be center stage. He wants to be on TV. He wants to show off. Jamal Adams is a show off. Say whatever you want. I like the kid. He's a great kid. I met him a couple of times. Nice, nice kid. He's a show off. And that's what he likes. He likes to be center stage in front of the cameras. If he doesn't make the playoffs with Seattle... I, I really believe he's not going to stay in Seattle. Yeah, I and mean, the Seahawks have let go of players a lot throughout their history, too, their recent history. Even the Legion of Boom players, which, was, again, which was the, was the biggest thing that happened to them in their franchise history. And they let all those players go, too. So they're norm- notoriously stingy with a lot of different players. They paid Russell Wilson. They paid Bobby Wagner. But that was it. Even Marshawn Lynch they let go. So you're dealing with a case where a team that's very stingy, a GM that's very stingy, and they like to re- recycle players a lot of the time. They do well with late draft picks. So it's a very possible that he does end up leaving. They have the money to sign him. It's just a matter of if they want to. I do. I don't know how they're going to pay uh, Jamal Adams again because I don't know if they're going to have the money. But if Jamal Adams waits to free agency, what quite possibly could happen? Because in, involved with this deal, they Seattle and the Jets went to Jamal Adams and said, uh, you know, if we make this trade, are you going to demand uh, uh, right away mm-hmm. to be re-signed? Right. He said no. So 
I think Jamal Adams is going to sit back. He's going to see how the Seahawks play this year. And if they don't play well, I think you're going to hear a lot out there in Seattle. Not as much as you hear in New York because New York is center stage. It's the multi, it's the media place, uh, you know, the press place of the world. And, and Jamal Adams, just like Odell Beckham, loved the fact that he spoke his piece and spoke his words of whatever he wanted to speak to the press. You're not going to do that in Seattle. Seattle is not the same thing. It's not the same place. It's not LA and it's not New York. And, and trust me, Odell Beckham, wishes he was still here, and I believe in a few years, Jamal Adams will wish he was still here with the Jets, because I think Joe Douglas is going to get it right. He's going to get the Jets into the playoffs consistently and eventually be a Super Bowl contender. So, Mikey C, eat your heart out. $1,000. You can kiss my rear end, because next year, they're going to be a contender. All they need is a pass rush, and all they need is um, they need a pass rusher, and they need a wide receiver, a, a big, explosive wide receiver. Hopefully it's Denzel Mims. That's going to take a little while to develop. Mm-hmm. They need to get a guy, a veteran guy, that can make plays in the open field. If they do that, the Jets are going to be very, very scary in the next two or three years. What do you say about that, Nathan? About the, who, the Jets? You know yes, what? man. What, what do you think I'm talking about? I'm talking about my underwear. That's what I'm talking about. Please don't analyze that. <laughs> And by the way, I'm wearing boxer briefs. Shout out to our, our great friend uh, Terrence Ferguson because I, I do, I too like boxer briefs. So there you go. The Jets, yeah, the Jets, uh, they're building the right way. And I feel like the, uh, you're, the, the Jets are going to be a legitimate uh, playoff contender in the next couple of years coming up. And uh, Joe Douglas, uh, he's uh, making the right moves, in, in my opinion. And uh, I, I guess, it, I mean, the Jets are not going to compete this year, obviously. I feel like. Um, They'll be a borderline competitive team. I wouldn't rule it out, though, because, yeah. again, the Patriots, obviously they lost Tom Brady. They got Cam Newton, but if Cam Newton's hurt, obviously they won't gonna, they're won't they not going to go anywhere. The Dolphins are still rebuilding. And as good as Buffalo is, they've never been this much of favorites before, so I feel like that could get to them in a way. I was very surprised that the Dallas Cowboys, instead of going after Andrew Dalton, didn't go after Cam Newton. I, I think that would have... I, 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 uh, I, I mean, we should have went for Cam Newton, but... I guess they believe in Dak Prescott. They have to sign him first. And I believe that uh, rabbits could fly. Okay? (laughs) That's what I believe. I I got to ask you this. Why is... Why is Clowney still on the market? My, he's still a good, talented player, and I feel like, I guess the money he's asking for a lot of money. But I think that's what it is. I guess yeah. he, dropped, he, he dropped the price recently, and I, I think he narrowed his two teams with Dallas and New Orleans. Where do you think? Uh, Errol was hearing Tennessee though too. I've been hearing Tennessee, and now uh, McDougal uh, all over social media has said that uh, the Jets uh, the Jets should go after him, and and Jadavian Clowney is a guy. I don't want Jadavian Clowney unless I can get Jadavian Clowney on a cheap. If I can get it for nine to ten million dollars with incentives up to fifteen million, then I'll give him that deal. If he wants something more than that, I'm not. I'm not giving Jadavian Clowney more than a year contract. I don't think he's worth it. Uh, I would go after Logan. um, Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan. I think that's what they need. I think they, they. Add to the corner depth. That's the most important position right now, especially when the league is completely transitioned to a throwing game. That's what I think. Even if you want, even if you wanted a slightly cheaper pass rusher, maybe significantly cheaper pass rusher, Ben, depending on what Clowney gets, Everson Griffin could be another good option for the Jets. He's another one too. So he's a little older. He's thirty-two, but for a short two-year deal, that wouldn't be bad. Even a one-year deal. Bringing Emerson Griffin, if nobody wants to sign him, he needs to stay away from the uh, the crazy wards. But besides that. Emerson uh, Griffin has been a very good NFL player, borderline Hall of Famer. I think, yeah, I think he has like 78 career sacks, so maybe yeah. one more great year. He's right up there. Yeah, he's a borderline Hall of Famer. Emerson Griffin has been a very good talent, very good pass rusher in the league. Maybe you bring him to the Jets and he, he rediscovers himself. Um, you know, let, let me, uh, 
what do you guys think of this uh, the Marlins outbreak with the coronavirus? And do you think the baseball they're going to cancel the rest of the season? Nope, I do not. I Rob Manfred is an idiot. And he will do anything idiocy that he can do to keep pushing the market out. And, and remember, it's all about money. It's all about money. And, and I, I believe Rob Manford knows they'll find a way. Obviously, the, the New York Yankees canceled their game tonight. Uh, they postponed yeah. it. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, if the Yankees are going to play tomorrow with the Philadelphia Phillies. Who knows? But I do not believe they're going to cancel the season. Hockey's coming back. Basketball's coming back. Nobody wants Baseball does not want to see that the NHL and the NBA is taking over uh, the TV deals and, and the endorsements and sponsorships that they can get and, and lean towards in the future. So I do not. I think baseball needs this. I think fans need this. So I, I do not. I, I don't, I, even with the outbreak of 14 players and two coaches from Miami, I think uh, you're going to see a lot more than that. It's not going to just be them. So... Uh, all in all, I think there will baseball will go on, and we will have a season. We'll have a playoff, and that's why they have the sixty-man so, rosters, the taxi rosters. There you go. Yeah. So, like, no, like one of my friends who, uh, my other friends who does a podcast, also, um, he he said, why not just move the games to to the Bronx, to Yankee Stadium? Well, they're gonna. First of all, they are gonna play in Yankee Stadium. Uh, they that's the home games. They are yeah. they're not gonna be playing uh, sixty games at home. That's not fair. I mean, it doesn't benefit any of those teams, even though there's no crowds, there's no fans. The Yankees are built to hit home runs. If the Yankees play 60 games at home, they're probably going to win 50 out of the 60. It it varies for them more than any of those teams because they're power hitters. So that wouldn't be fair to the league, and I don't see uh, the league uh, obviously accepting that. So I I think that you will see the Yankees continue. I just don't know where the the league is going to go if you see another outbreak like this to 14 to 20 other players. And again, Nathan, the other thing, too, is they would have to readjust the whole schedule, too. They'd have to find another maybe three-game series to flip-flop into Philadelphia then, which could be hard based on the way the road trips are. They're trying to limit travel as it is. So if they're not going to stay on tap with the schedule they have, it's going to be very hard. So, like, how does this work? Like, do the Marlins have to stay uh, quarantined and filling out for 14 days? They can't travel? Uh, they, I know they postponed their flight because they were supposed to play the Orioles next in Baltimore. But I, I from what I heard, players. from what I heard, they were traveling either tonight or early tomorrow to to make sure they don't get any exposure from there or limit the exposure from there. So mm-hmm. it'll be hard. Obviously, the fourteen players won't be able to. Yes, they have they have to be quarantined the, for two weeks. The team is still going to travel and play, and I mean, at this rate, the Marlins sixty man roster might all be about even. At this you rate. you want me to be honest with you? I think all the players should have just got COVID nineteen, so don't get it again. I, I'm serious. You're probably better off getting COVID-19 and just moving forward because the chances of you getting it a second time is slim to none. I know some people, their bodies can't handle it. So if you know the players, they have some kind of uh, sickness or something like that, then you make sure that you quarantine them while you (laughs) you give these guys COVID-19. I don't know. I think with all the time that that these players had off – they should have thought of something where it would have made sense. I mean, I know giving somebody COVID-19 is not the smartest thing. But, again, if you get COVID-19, you get the antibodies, the chances of you getting it again is 3%. I mean, the chance that that percentage actually is beneficial for the leagues to do that. I I know it might be crazy, and I know it's an assumption that probably people think I'm nuts. But, um, again, um, I'm just trying to squeak out some – content before uh, we get the wise guys on. on uh, they're actually not on. Jordan just texted me. They have a power outage where they are. So really? They're actually not going to be on tonight. That stinks. That stinks. Uh, I love. 
I love, I love the wise too. guys. Maybe maybe you uh, tell Jordan to for them to go on live Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Right, have you, uh, you guys have you guys seen my recent in- interviews for my for my vodka? Not recently, no. I have. Oh, I've been getting like uh, some big time guests now. No, yeah, who'd you get? So today I interview. You know, you know, uh, uh, teach you what, where who won the uh, SPs this year, the Jimmy V Award. Mm-hmm. He came on my show today. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at you, man. You're a superstar. <laughs> An absolute star- superstar. I'm going to call you a superstar, okay? Superstar. <laughs> a superstar. Niffin the superstar. There we're going to call no, I'm you. So, I'm, I'm working on getting Eric Coleman on the show. He's going to let me know soon. Good. I, Eric will come on, and he'll absolutely he'll, he'll make you laugh. And Eric and me do a show on the FM dial every single uh, every single Saturday. Uh, we, we have a lot of fun. And Niffin, you probably haven't even heard it. What? Yeah, you know me and Eric do a show every single Saturday on the FM dial, well, right? I know that. I know that. Yeah. Have you listened to it? Not, not yet. I got Come on, man. What are you I doing mean, over I there? Does he even get it in Jersey, though? You could get it on a link. What are you talking about? I've been getting guests right and left, so I have, I'm, I'm constantly posting, so I don't know. Yeah, you're getting right. What, what, what are you trying to say now, Niffin? What are you trying? Get, we're getting guests, and our, our guys still listen to, our, listen to every show. What are you trying to say, Niffin? You taking a shot? What are you doing over there? What are you no, doing over there? I'm getting all highly profiled guests, so you got to check guys, it out. I'm just kidding. Man. You, guys, you, guys, you guys are the best, man. You I love right? you too, man. I love you too, bro. You I guys do. Are the best. You keep. You keep. Uh, I actually, you know what? I, I think um, you guys are one. Uh, you guys inspire a lot of people. Well, thank you, man. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Uh, Speedy doesn't inspire me, especially if he's going to dress up in a duck costume. Uh, that doesn't inspire what? me. I'll, I'll dress up in a duck with a crow laugh. No, you didn't hear about that? He's the new Oregon uh, mascot. <laughs> Apparently, I'm the new Oregon mascot, the new Maryland mascot, and the new Vanderbilt mascot. I mean, you're just a popular person, man. <laughs> so we, we need to, we need. He doesn't uh, wear any underwear, ladies we, and gentlemen. We need a big tw- we need a Big Twelve team now, and we need an ACC team. We'll complete the whole Power Five uh, mm. <laughs> penfecta or whatever the five. By the way, Nathan, uh, Speedy. <laughs> He does not wear any underwear, just so you know. That is a lie. Don't listen to him. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't wear any underwear. He's lying to you. And by the way, for some reason, I don't know what the hell is wrong with this guy. This guy loves to spray himself with Old Spice. He really does. What? It's not spray. It's actual deodorant. De- it's, it's Old Spice. It is Old Spice. It's not spray, though. Man, it, it stinks, man. Every time I sit next to you for, for about it, two hours, could you imagine sitting next to a guy that smells like Old Spice? I mean... I, I, I smell my grandfather. <laughs> I smell my grandfather right next to me. Do you, could, could you imagine that? I mean, I would never spray myself with Old Spice because it reminds me too much of my grandfather. Is that a bad thing? <laughs> yes, it is. I got to smell you. No, I'm saying is me getting giving you memories of your grandfather. A bad you give thing? me memories of just a terrible smell, man. It, it's, it's potent. All right. Nithin, I, you know what I got to do? We got to get you in on a, on a live show in the studio, and you got to sit next to this guy. And if you sit next to this guy, I, it's, it's, like, um, it's like throwing a fish in a car and letting it sit for 24 hours wow. and spraying oh. it. Wow, that's, okay? that's, that's not. That's speedy right no. there. Yeah, it is. That's, that's a bit extreme. It's like a little tuna. You know, you like tuna? A little tuna? Yeah, you smell like tuna. You don't like tuna? <laughs> I don't mind it. It's not my favorite. I don't mind it. You like hamburgers? I do. Well, what kind of hamburger do you like? Most types that don't have 
that don't have any condiments I don't like. Oh, so what, what condiments that you don't like? The conventional Why? ones for the most part. Why do you always use these big words, conventional? And, and like, well, like, what do you think of conventional condiments? Ketchup, mustard, relish for burgers. I like relish. I don't like any of those, believe it or How not. How do you not like relish? I, 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 for, first of all, it's a very like bland flavor. I'm not really... Hold on one second. You'll... What happened? Get nothing. Who did you guys have on today as a guest? Who do we have on? We had Oregon tight end recruit Terrence Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Is yeah. he good? Yes, yes. Very, very good. Very nice good. kid. Very nice kid. Oh. You know, uh, maybe you can dance for him. <laughs> he yeah, needs to learn yeah, how to dance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he needs some dancing. Yeah, you guys or one? We only had one today. We were supposed to have Mark on for his usual segment at 730, but he hasn't called us back at all. So I don't you know, know Mark X the spot on his rear end. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, Nathan? <laughs> you know, I, I'm just trying to help you here, man. You know. Uh, anyways, Nathan, thank you for oh, wait, calling, buddy. On. What? Oh, what? Wait, wait, um, so my, I'm pushing, I'm pushing my party for Saturday in mid-August. So I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep you guys posted. All right, keep me posted, man. Uh, I'll make sure I bring the whips. How's that sound? <laughs> bring some, bring some hot ladies too. I'll bring some whips and maybe that. But as long as you don't whip me, man, I want you to stay the hell away from me. No, you, you can't whip me. Uh, I don't. I don't do those things. So I said, bring some hot ladies. No, I know. I'll bring some. Uh, I'll bring that, and you you just don't use the whip on me, okay? <laughs> no whips for me. But uh, definitely keep us. You know, keep us. Uh, keep in touch and keep us uh, in the loop with your uh, your party. Yeah, I'm gonna let you know, and then, uh, I'm, I'm pushing it back. Uh in mid-August because we're getting a new dog this Wednesday and I don't think she'd be ready for big crowds yet. No, uh, make sure that uh, the new dog sniffs uh, Speedy's uh, underpants. What is he, a police dog? <laughs> you know, well, he needs to. I mean, you got some stench on you, man. I don't know if the dog will even go next to you. <laughs> you gotta see his eye. He closed his eyes. <laughs> yo, yo, you guys are, you guys should be a comedian. You guys have a, you guys should be a comedy show, man. We should, but, uh, you know, the only comedy person here is Speedy. I mean, just look at him. Look at him. Look at that smile. Happy birthday, Speedy. Should we sing happy birthday happy for him? Birthday. You guys can sing happy birthday. Oh, you want to give me a happy birthday? I'll sing happy birthday before we go. All right. Nithy, you want to join me here? Uh, let's put the... Uh, yeah, sure, why not? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Smelly. Happy birthday to you. I figured there was going to be some kind of jab in there. <laughs> there you go. I mean, that was good. Speedy, speedy. Yeah. Speedy, Pete. What is it, Nithin? <laughs> Did you, go, did you go to the club? I did not go to the club. My family actually go, came over. Go, go, my fam- go, my family go actually- shorty. It's your birthday. Smell your mommy. It's your birthday. I'm sorry. I just had to add that. But anyways. Okay, 50 cent. I am not 50 cent. I'm 50E, baby. No, you, you'll, you'll throw a better first pitch than 50 cent. Yeah, worry. you're right. I can, throw, I can throw it down the middle, baby. No, you guys hear that? You guys hear that Donald Trump canceled his first pitch in Yankee Stadium? Well, I figured. Well, he's probably better off because he'd probably throw it over uh, at Michael K or something. So <laughs> That's probably what I would do. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding, Michael. Just a joke. 
Anyways, Nithin, thank you for calling, buddy. Yeah, no problem. All right, man. The great Nithin, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, gave us some good insight. Actually helped us with the content a little bit because uh, good old Mark uh, did not show up for his segment. Uh, I'm very upset about it. Very. You know, are you upset about it? A little bit. Mark always brings up some interesting points, but again. <laughs> are, they, are you interested in his points or are you worried that he's going to throw you off on some of the points that you don't believe? Well, I'm used to you doing it, so when someone else I'm very does good it, at that. When, when someone else does it, uh, maybe it's it's either surprising or it's again expected. Maybe I'll I'll be prepared for it. We'll see. Depends on who it is. If it, if, it, if it's Jeff or if it's someone like that, maybe I haven't heard from Jeff. Maybe, in a while. maybe I'll get thrown off. But I don't know if Mark would do something. like I that I haven't to heard me. from Jeff uh, on our show for a while. Yeah, he's he's just been in the Facebook comment sections lately. <laughs> yeah, I think he's hiding. I think he's scared to come jump on the show, especially now that Jamal Adams, uh, you know. Is no longer a Jet, and I'm surprised he didn't send me any texts on that one. But uh, I think because he knows the Jets won that trade. Actually, yesterday, or two days ago, when it, when it happened, Snug actually tagged all of us in a tweet saying mocking the Jets for not getting a first-round pick wrongly, and they got two first-round By picks. the way, there was so a nice going, Snug. There's a top headline right now that the Jets GM has just said Adams did not talk his way out of New York. <laughs> I don't believe that. Don't believe that. <laughs> I don't believe that. Okay. I absolutely believe he talked his way out of New York. All of a sudden, he mentioned Adam Gase uh, within 72 to, four, uh, 72 to over 120-something hours. Right. He trades him. So uh, I don't believe it. Uh, I think it was, had everything to do with his mouth and, and, and the shots that he took on Woody Johnson, the shots that he took on uh, on Adam Gase. Right. He took shots at everybody yeah. on the organization. So. I mean, anyone could take a shot at Adam Gase. We've just seen the whole media do it. But I take a shot at Adam Gase every single day. I know, day. right? That's my point. But again, it looks, it looks even worse if there's a, a player involved in that. Well, with that. That's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. We will be back tomorrow. Speedy, who do we have on tomorrow? So we got Lo- uh, Lo- sorry. Stop. Mm. Stefan Logan. I almost said Logan Ryan again, <laughs> which would be which would be great if we had him. Uh, Logan. Oh my God. Stefan Logan. Yes, and who else? Uh, it's a Purdue recruit. I'm trying to find his name. Well, how right wonderful! Now. We have a Purdue. He's a wide receiver. I know that. Well, thank you, Speedy, for giving us some great insight on who we're going to have on the show when he should have it on a piece of paper. But anyways, we'd like to thank all the fans that uh, have listened to us throughout the weeks and the last couple of weeks. Uh, great shows that we have. I want to give a shout out. To all our great shows, the Wise Guys, the Sports Hit List, the Off off the Mat. Shout out to Alex Slows. Hopefully he gets better. Um, he was very, very sick, so he didn't do his show this weekend. Shout out to Alex. The Weekend Crunch with me and Eric Coleman on the FM dial. Weapons Hot in our new show. Yes, our new show. The S, well, the, the BS Sports Show. And that would be Brendan and Stefan, Stefan uh, who's going to be joining us very, very soon next week. Uh, that will be at 9 o'clock every Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So I'm looking forward to them adding some insight with sports, hockey, and baseball. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for our show. We will be back tomorrow. There will be no wise guys because of an uh, um, electric short outage. shortage. Speedy, why do you cut me off when I'm trying to speak? I know, I know it's an electric shortage, but you, of course, cut me off and throw me off. Thank you. Anyways, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. And hopefully no mistakes from Speedy tomorrow. Until then, this is Errol Marks and Speedy PD, And down to the wire saying good night, and we'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.